Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Sanders Facts it is. What's happening, y'all? Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, episode 33 of the most factual podcast in the world. Is what we're doing this week on Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. Thank you all for hopping on to the Xander's Facts Podcast this week. And remember, if you want to support the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you like the facts, if you think you're going to like the facts that are coming up on this big podcast episode, then remember, click that follow button, download, rate, review, all those buttons, and then go on all your other buttons, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials, Xander's Facts, Xander with a Z. And then most importantly, remember, tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts Podcast. We call it Spreading the Facts. Do it, Xander's Facts Podcast. And if you haven't listened to any of our past episodes, you might want to do that because I had some picks last week that I made that might not have been so good. Uh-oh. I did have a couple of good ones, but we're going to talk about that. We've got, of course, football picks. We're going to recap what happened last week in college and the pros. We're going to talk about all that. But first, we're going to get into something very serious here on the Xander's Facts podcast. It's the return of politics. To the Xander's Facts Podcast. Wow! We haven't talked about in a while because football's been going on and other things like tornadoes for some reason. We talked about that last week. But this week, we're easing back into politics. But we're not going to stay in the U.S. We're going across the pond to talk about our politics this week. Because there are some things happening specifically in Germany. Germany is what we're going to talk about this week. So, you might have heard... That this week, in California, which is in the U.S., they're having the recall election for some stupid reason. Yeah, okay. But there are some other elections happening in Europe. Coming soon. Sunday, September 26th, is when Germany will head to the polls for their federal elections to elect a new chancellor for the first time in 16 years. In fact, all 598 seats... And the Bundestag, which is the lower house of parliament in Germany, are up for grabs in this election. The current German chancellor, you might know her name, Angela Merkel, she is not running for re-election. And this election will mark the end of her tenure as chancellor, a position she has held since 2005. She has been rolling for 16 years. So, you might be asking the question right now. Xander, why are we talking about this? I don't care. I'm an American freedom loser. True that. Well, I don't care. They do matter to you. And I'll tell you why. Because Xander, myself, is about to break down these upcoming German elections. And why they matter to you, even if you're an American patriot who loves America and needs to stop whining about other countries. Quit your whining. So... First off, before we figure out who's running to replace Merkel, let's dive deep into how elections work in Germany, because they work similarly to other parliamentary systems in Europe and across the world, but differently than how elections work here in the U.S. Some ways. It's kind of complicated, so let's talk about it. So, for instance, German elections in the Bundestag occur every four years, like the presidential elections do here in the U.S. And in Germany, the most powerful office is chancellor and while they do have a president and it technically ranks higher than chancellor its role is largely ceremonial 
which is why I don't even know the German president's name and I didn't do all that research, whatever. How about that? So Germany is split up into 299 constituencies. In the U.S., we have House of Representative districts. In Germany, they have constituencies. And every citizen gets two votes to make up the 598-seat Bundestag. The first vote is to elect a local MP, which represents about 250,000 people. And this vote uses a first-past-the-post system, which is where a single candidate is selected, similar to how we do it here in the U.S. and in the U.K., which is in contrast with ranked choice voting, which we actually discussed on this podcast back, way back, episode 15. Bold move there. If you want to learn more about that. But they just vote for the person like we do for the House of Representatives and Senate President and all that stuff. This is similar to how we vote for the House of Representatives because the candidates run in their respective districts or constituencies, as they are called in Germany. So the second vote that they have is where it gets different. Here we go! The second vote is for a party. They will vote for a specific party, and this vote determines the proportion of seats that each party gets in the Bundestag, as long as the party receives at least 5% of the national vote. If the party gets less than 5%, they do not get any representation. However, the Bundestag size can change. So for instance, after the 2017 elections, which were the last elections, they had 709 seats. Hold on a second. So why is that? Well, the makeup of the Bundestag has to reflect the results of the second vote, that party vote. And since it's common for voters to split their ballot, like you can do here in the U.S. with different candidates, parties can sometimes win more seats in the first vote than the second. So, if a party wins more constituencies, or first votes, than it is entitled to based on the second vote results, the extra seats are called overhang seats. And in order for the chamber to reflect the results of the second vote, other parties are awarded balance seats to make up for that. So, the 709 seats that are in the current Bundestag are the most ever, and Germans parliamentarians actually voted to reduce the number of constituencies from 299 to 280 by the next elections in 2025 in order to keep the size in check. Too many facts. So who fills the seats in the second vote and the additional seats? Because in that first vote, you're actually voting for a name. But in the second vote, you're just voting for a party. So who fills those seats? So the parties will meet for their respective conferences months months before the election, kind of like the conventions here in the U.S., the DNC, the RNC, all those that happen months before the elections. True, true. At these conferences, the parties select their candidate for chancellor and create a list of candidates for the second vote and any additional seats. So that's how German elections work. And then after the election... The parties will begin talks with each other in order to form a coalition or a majority, but they don't have to do this if a single party gains a majority of seats. But since the reunification of Germany in 1990, that has not occurred. Too bad. And whichever group of parties gains a majority is allowed to govern. And the chancellor will usually come from the party in that coalition with the most seats. So that's how elections work in Germany. It's similar to how elections work in the UK. They have that parliamentary system. In the US, it's kind of similar parts of it. They have the constituencies or districts that you vote for. But in Germany, they don't directly vote for their leader. They vote for the party 
who they want to lead, I guess, and then the party has their candidate that they already know of. That's blasphemy! And we already know who's running in the major party. So, who is running to replace the current Chancellor Angela Merkel? So, in contrast to the U.S.'s two-party system, which is terrible. Terrible. Germany has many parties represented in the government. The last Bundestag had six parties represented. However, since Germany's reunification, only two parties have held the chancellorship. The CDU-CSU and the SPD. What are those? We'll talk about them. What do you say? Here are the six major parties and their candidates for chancellor in Germany. Pay attention. Get ready. First up is the CDU slash CSU, which is also known as the Union Parties and the Christian Democrats. This is the center-right political alliance of the Christian Democratic Union of Germany, that's the CDU, and the Christian Social Union in Bavaria, the CSU. And this is the party that current Chancellor Angela Merkel has represented and has held the majority through coalition since 2005. And this party has tended to be more aligned with the Republicans in the U.S. Of course, the Republicans have gone way overboard on the far right, and the CDU-CSU really hasn't done that, so kind of getting away from that. But Merkel has definitely leaned left regarding environmental, labor, and foreign policy issues, but she's definitely not a liberal by any means. I'll just say that. Deal with it! Their nominee for chancellor is the current minister-president MP of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is the most populous state in Germany, Armin Laschet. Huh. He is known to be on the left of the party and a moderate in general, but his views on climate have definitely confused some progressives in Germany. And recently, Laschet was spotted laughing during a visit to areas of his state that were hit by devastating floods back in July, you might have heard of that, which only is adding to his terrible approval ratings. We'll get into all the polls in a second who's going to win, but he is definitely not a popular guy in Germany. It's true! The only other party to have led the government since reunification is the SPD, the Social Democratic Party of Germany, also known as the Social Democrats. And this is the center-left party in Germany that has historically aligned with the Democrats in the U.S. on major issues. And the SPD has not held the chancellorship since 2005 and has been the second largest party in the Bundestag since. And since 2013, they have joined the CDU-CSU to form a coalition, or as they call it in Germany, a grand coalition. They call it that because these two parties have historically been the most dominant in modern German politics, dating back to after... World War II. Man, that was rough. Their nominee is the current vice chancellor, which is the second highest ranking German cabinet member, and the federal minister of finance, Olaf Scholz. Out of the three highest ranking parties in the recent polls, Scholz holds by far the highest approval rating, and while he definitely leans to the left of Lachette, he falls to the right of the majority of the party on many issues, including the economy, and of course we know because he's the federal minister in f- of finance, he's basically in charge of the economy in Germany. Original! The party that had the smallest number of seats in the current Bundestag, but was at one point leaning in the polls earlier this summer, is the Green Party, aka the Greens, and the Greens are classified 
as center-left, but they're left of the Social Democrats, and they have played a key role over the last few years in clean environmental policies and social progressive policies in Germany. And the Greens are most closely aligned with the Green Party in the U.S. Of course, the Green Party in the U.S. doesn't have any representation except for like city councils and stuff, because we have the stupid two-party system. Their nominee is Annalena Baerbock, who has served as co-leader of the Greens since 2018 and has served in Parliament since 2013, I believe. And the momentum that the Greens had earlier this year has not been sustained, however, and their party has dropped back in recent polling. It was back in May, I think. They were ahead of the Christian Democrats and the Social Democrats. They were at the top. Really? But they've dropped back recently. But they should definitely make gains from the current Bundestag, in which they only had 8.9% representation. Spitting the truth. The next party, there's six. We're on number four, is the AFD, the alternative for Germany. They are a far-right nationalist party that has been known for its opposition to the EU and immigration, basically what the Republican Party wants to turn into, apparently. Sick burn! They formed in 2013, but they experienced a huge jump in the 2017 elections, but they have fallen back in recent polling. They have two candidates for chancellor, and all I'm going to say is that they are bad people. That's cool. No, they're not going to do that in Germany. There's no way. The next party is the FDP, which is the Free Democratic Party, and they're a free market party that are seen as center to center right in ideology, but they have conservatives and liberals in their party. And they formed a coalition with the Christian Democrats in 2009, but since 2013, they have not held any majority power. And their candidate is Christian Lindner, who is currently serving in the Bundestag. The last of the six major parties is the left. And guess where they are on the political spectrum? The left! Their party was formed in 2007, but they probably swing a little too far to the left. Some of their policies have been considered far left, like they want to withdraw from NATO, they want the state to take more control of aspects of the economy. Eh, That's, you know, Republicans complain about socialism for the Democrats. Democrats aren't doing socialism. That's probably socialism. That's probably a little too much. Disrespectful! They have two candidates as well. But looking at their recent polling, that party may struggle to reach the 5% threshold needed to gain representation in the Bundestag. They're struggling right now because they're kind of wacky. Kind of like the AFT. Those are the two really far out there parties. Awful. So taking a look at the polls, they have been wild these last few months in Germany because before spring, the spring of this year, the Christian Democrats, who of course Merkel is their leader, were significantly in the lead, but the emergence of Armand Lachat as chancellor has caused the party to lose steam. And at one point back in May, as I said, the Greens had taken a lead in the polls before they fell back. But more recently, since the last month or so, the Social Democrats have surged into the lead. They have around 27% support right now, and they currently lead the Christian Democrats in the average of polls by around 7%. And the Greens are close behind in third place right now, 15%. Cool facts, bro! While the FDP, the Free Democratic Party, is around 12%, the AFD around 10%, and the left at about 6%. So they're kind of struggling to get see if they can get representation. So, those are the candidates, those are the parties, 
Why do these elections matter? You may be asking yourself, why do I care about Germany's elections when I live in the United States and Joe Biden's my president? Well, Xander, what is wrong with you? Well, there are several reasons why these elections should matter to you. First off, the world is losing one of its most powerful political figures in German Chancellor Angela Merkel. For 16 years, she's been seen as one of the most powerful proponents for democracy and a dominant force against the recent rise of far-right movements across the globe. And losing her leadership is definitely going to mark a changing of the guard across world politics that's going to open a gaping hole for someone to fill. Someone, who knows, Emmanuel Macron, whoever could be the next German Chancellor, Joe Biden, all these people, free democracy, I mean. What? We'll see. Because when Trump was president, a lot of people looked at Merkel as being the true leader of the free world because, you know, Donnie Boy was all over the place. But now, she's gone. We'll see what happens. And another reason has to do with Germany's position on the world stage. It is the largest economy in Europe. That's the fourth largest in the world. And it has the second largest population in Europe with Russia ahead of them. Another fact! And of course, Germany has a history of doing some pretty bad things. But it looks like... We're not going to get any of that far-right nonsense that Germany had and that they're trying to do here in the U.S., which is, we'll talk about that later because that's just a mess. Duh. But Germany should probably be just fine with either the Christian Democrats or the Social Democrats gaining the majority of the chancellorship. But it appears that right now, more Germans want to experiment with a more progressive government than they have had with the Social Democrats at this point. That's what the polls are saying. That's what, you know, a lot of people in Germany approve of Olaf Scholz, who was the candidate for chancellor for the Social Democrats, and they really don't like Armand Lachat for the Christian Democrats. And that's the more right party. That's kind of like moderate Republicans right now, is that party. So, I don't know. We'll see. So, in review, you may want to keep an eye on the upcoming elections in Germany, even though they're happening across the world, definitely could have some ramifications here in the U.S. and across the world, too, because Germany is a pretty big and powerful country. So what is next for the elections in Germany and around the world? So right now, Wednesday, September 15th, we just wait until Election Day in Germany, which is on Sunday, September 26th, which makes sense because the in Germany, the law is that you can only have an election on a national holiday or on a Sunday, which makes sense, and we should do that here in the U.S. It doesn't make any sense. Someday, maybe not a Sunday, but they should at least make a national holiday out of Election Day, which I think we talked about on this podcast, too. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already. I mean, come on, see your sex. And the results are going to be released soon after Sunday, September 26th, but we may not know who exactly is going to be in the majority or who's going to be chancellor until nearly a month later as the parties go in into their deliberations ahead of the next parliament to decide coalitions or majorities if a party does not gain a majority, which as of the polls right now looks very much likely. And of course, other elections going on across the world. Of course, these last few weeks, we've looked at California Californians are voting in their recall election of their governor, Democrat Gavin Newsom, who Republicans are trying to recall for imposing COVID restrictions that they don't like because I, I guess they're just whiny. Quit whining! But as of this recording, we don't know what the result is because that election ends Tuesday, September 14th, which I, when I'm recording my podcast. But it definitely looks like 
Newsom should cruise by. The polls were kind of scary back like a month ago. The Republicans, they might have been gaining on him, but it looks like Newsom's just going to cruise by. Plus, it's California, and the party, the candidate who the Republicans are really coalesced is basically a Trumper who, I mean, California is seriously one of the bluest states in the Union. They're not going to do that. Come on. And later this fall, here in the U.S., we've got a couple off-year elections in a couple states, like in New York, the mayoral race in New York City, and the gubernatorial races for governor in New Jersey and Virginia. And we're going to talk about the Virginia race at some point, because former Governor Terry McAuliffe is running for his old seat as a Democrat against businessman and Trumpy boy, Glenn Youngkin, who is not a very nice boy. And finally, some other foreign elections that you might want to keep your eye on are in Canada. Canada is having a federal election that was, it's a snap election that was called by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And even though Trudeau requested the election because he wanted to gain seats in Parliament, he is at risk of losing his majority. That election is this Monday, Monday, September 20th. So that'll be interesting. That's a fact! Trudeau's been a good boy, Ed. We'll see if he loses his seat. Hopefully not. And another upcoming election to pay attention to is next year, 2022, the French presidential election that you might have already heard of. French President Emmanuel Macron's first five-year term ends, and he is up for re-election. That election is not until April 10th, 2022, but there are plenty of challengers seeking the job, as Macron has been hit by controversies regarding a proposed fuel tax. That was a big thing in France, and... Of course, COVID, some people are just whining because lockdowns and you can't do that. French freedoms. Not, not American freedoms, French freedoms. I'm, Stinger. There's all that. So that's our politics for this week. Hopefully, you know a lot more about how German elections work because it's very interesting how different they are than American elections. And some aspects we should probably adopt here in the U.S., I would say, like election day should not be on a random Tuesday, first Tuesday of November, whatever, when everybody has to work. It should be a national holiday or the multi-party system instead of the two-party system because a system which had a lot of parties probably be a lot better and we probably wouldn't have all this crazy stuff going on between the Republicans and Democrats right now. That's Xander's take. That's politics for this week, but stay tuned because after this, we have got football stuff to talk about. We had some crazy games last week. NFL week one was last week. College football continued. We're going to talk about that, and I'm going to make some predictions coming up right here as the Zaners Facts Podcast continues. Zaners Facts. I find your lack of fate disturbing. Xander's Facts Podcast. Welcome back in. What's happening, y'all? That was politics that we just had. And now we're going to talk some football. Hard smash mouth, those tackle, whatever. Football. Huh. So here we go. Let's start with college football. It's week three in college football. But last week was week two. So let's recap it. There were two top 25 matchups last week. And I got them both wrong. Sorry about it. You dummy. Ohio State played Oregon in Columbus, Ohio. Oregon won somehow, 35-28. And then Iowa beat Iowa State, 27-17 in Iowa State. I just, sorry, y'all. But there were also a couple of upsets. 
Stanford beat USC 42-28, and USC no longer has their head football coach. He got fired, Clay Helton. Rough times. Arkansas beat Texas 40-21, and BYU beat Utah 26-17. And there were a couple of close calls, too. Notre Dame survived Toledo 32-29. Texas A&M had to score late in the fourth quarter to top Colorado 10-7. And Miami barely squeaked by Appalachian State late 25-23. And last week, out of the 22 games that I predicted, Xander went 17-5. That's pretty good, I would say. Watch it, buddy! I had some good picks. I picked Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech... Some not-so-great picks, Ohio State, Iowa State, USC, Utah, Texas. I just mentioned all those. I don't know why. Those were upsets, though. So, last week, I got 77% of games right. That's pretty good. And so that adds on to my yearly record of 31-11 and 11 with a .738 winning percentage. 73.8% of games I have predicted I've gotten right so far. I would say that's pretty good. That's almost three quarters. This makes absolutely no sense. So, that's week two. Let's move on to this week, week three. So, here are Xander's predictions for week three in college football. Let's start with the top-ranked Crimson Tide. Roll, Tide, roll, Alabama. They open SEC play with a bang against the 11th-ranked team in the nation, the Florida Gators. They have to go to Gainesville. They will play at 3.30 Eastern on CBS. And Florida lost a bunch of talent from last year. Probably won't be able to compete with Alabama. I'm going Crimson Tide. The second-ranked team in the nation is Georgia. They face South Carolina at home at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Georgia should win easily, even though South Carolina's got the boy Shane Beamer as their head coach. They're rebuilding. Yeah, okay. Oklahoma is the third-ranked team. In the country, they face Nebraska at home in the 50th anniversary game of the 1971 game of the century between those two teams. That game is at noon on Fox. This definitely won't be like that game 50 years ago. Nebraska's terrible. Oklahoma, I don't even know. Oklahoma should slide by easily. Oregon. Oregon is number four. They moved up from 12 to four after beating Ohio State, and they go home to face Stony Brook at 7:30 on the Pac-12 Network. Oregon. Probably shouldn't be number four, but I think they'll win that game easily. Iowa jumped up to five after they beat Iowa State, and they play at home against Kent State 330 on the Big Ten Network. Iowa definitely looks like a college football playoff contender right now, and they should definitely win easily. Clemson is at six. They open ACC play at home against Georgia Tech at 330 on ABC. The Tigers looked normal in their win against South Carolina State last week, and they should definitely trounce the Yellow Jackets. But... Well, it'll be interesting. We'll see if Clemson can get their act together. Texas A&M, they dropped to seven. They return home to face New Mexico at noon on the SEC Network. And after they struggle with Colorado, the Aggies should definitely win this week. Cincinnati is number eight. They go on the road to face Indiana at noon on ESPN. That was preseason top 25 matchup. Indiana's dropped out. They're just not as good this year. And Cincinnati should beat them up in Bloomington. And the Bearcats get a week off next week before they head to South Bend. Ooh, for a big game. Uh, we'll see. That's in two weeks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ohio State dropped to nine after their home loss, and they stay at home to face Tulsa at 3.30 on FS1. This should be a nice rebounding game for Ohio State. College game day is heading to Happy Valley this week for number 22 Auburn and number 10 Penn State. 
That game is Saturday Night Football, 7.30 on ABC. And while these are two teams that are not at their heights this season, Penn State has looked more impressive, and I think they'll be able to handle the Tigers in State College. Notre Dame is number 12. They drop down. They remain at home. They face Purdue at 2.30 on NBC. And with Florida State losing to Jacksonville State last week, that happened. And Notre Dame barely beating Toledo. The Irish aren't looking so hot right now, even though they're 2-0. But I think they'll squeak by Purdue. UCLA is 13. They return to the field at home to face Fresno State at 10.45 on the Pac-12 Network. The Bruins have looked impressive, and they should win, but I don't know if they're worthy of a number 13 ranking. But we'll see if they don't lose to Fresno State. Iowa State dropped to 14, and they head to Vegas to take on UNLV at 10.30 on CBS Sports Network. UNLV is not good. Iowa State should definitely rebound with an easy win, even though it's pretty late, 10.30 for an East Coast team. The 15th-ranked team in the country are the Hokies of Virginia Tech. They go on the road to face West Virginia. Rivalry game for the Black Diamond Trophy at noon on FS1. The Hokies survived that trap game last week. And I think right now they're not even favored to beat West Virginia in Morgantown. But I think they will. The Hokies did lose their star tight end, James Mitchell, due to injury. So that's going to be rough. But the defense has looked really good this year. They only held Middle Tennessee State to 14 points. And in that trap game... That's pretty impressive. We'll see. I think the Hokies are going to win. Yikes! Coastal Carolina is 16. They head north to face Buffalo at noon on ESPN2. Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. I think that's how you say it. Ole Miss is 17. They look to stay hot at home against Tulane at 8 on ESPN2. The Green Wave could be tough. They were tough against Oklahoma, but I think the Rebels are going to squeak by. The Rebels, they need to change that. Wisconsin is 18. They will take a week off. They have a bye week after beating Eastern Michigan last week. Arizona State is 19. They face off in the final top 25 game of the week against BYU, who is up to 23 in Provo, Utah, 10-15 on ESPN. Both of these teams have looked sharp so far, but I will give the edge to the Sun Devils. Arkansas is number 20. They head into the top 25 after they beat Texas as they host Georgia Southern at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. It's probably an overreaction to put Arkansas in the poll, but they'll beat Georgia Southern. And if they don't, they definitely should be in the poll. North Carolina moved up to 21. They stay at home to host ACC rival Virginia at 7.30 on the ACC Network. And UVA's looked sharp. They haven't played very good teams, but their offenses look pretty good. But the talent advantage is going to pull UNC ahead. They'll win the game. Miami is 24th. They survived Appalachian State last week, and they host Michigan State at noon on ABC this week. And it looks like the U is not back once again, but uh, Michigan State is not back either. They should be able to squeak by at home. And finally, Michigan makes the poll at 25 after they beat Washington last week, and they host Northern Illinois at 12 on the Big Ten Network. Michigan should definitely win easily. And all I think I picked the top-ranked team to win all those games. Going chalk. Sounds terrible. It kind of worked last week, though. But we'll see. Sanders, facts. That is college football. But here it comes. Got some more football to talk about this week. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the National Football League Pro Football. Last week was week one. It was amazing. Red zone football. Oh, my gosh. And it was definitely wild. Week one, lots of upsets. The Steelers were able to beat the Bills in Buffalo. The Lions came back to give the 49ers a little mini scare in Detroit. The 49ers pulled it out, though. And the Jaguars 
has said they have their new head coach, Urban Meyer. They have Trevor Lawrence as their new quarterback. They looked absolutely putrid against the Texans. They looked awful. The Packers also looked awful. They got thumped by the Saints, 38-3. to Jeez. That offense. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, but they looked completely disjointed. I don't know what's going on there. And plus, there were a couple classics. The Browns and the Chiefs went down to the wire. And on Monday night, the Ravens and the Raiders went to overtime, where they had some wild things happen in that overtime game. So last week, last week was rough. Xander went 7-9. and nine Dad, Xander's spreading lies. On his NFL picks. I had some good picks. I picked the Bengals. They beat the Vikings. I picked the Bucks. They held on to beat the Cowboys. I picked the Cardinals. I did have some bad picks, though. I picked the Falcons to beat Philly. They did not. I picked the Bills. The Jaguars, no. Packers, oh my gosh. Well, the Packers were, I don't know what happened there. That was just awful. But that was 43.75% of games that I got right this week. So that's my yearly record. That's not going too good. But we're going to start fresh here in week two. So let's go to week two NFL Predictions. Let's start on Thursday night. It's an NFC East matchup between the Giants and the Washington football team. That game is at 8.20 p.m. Thursday night on the NFL Network. And Washington could not get over the Chargers last week, but I think they'll cruise by the Giants, who struggled with Denver last week at home. And quarterback Taylor Heineke gets the start for the Washington football team. Heineke! Because quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick is out six to eight weeks with a hip injury. So we'll see how that goes. Heineke played really well back last year when he played. They almost beat Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, of course, won the Super Bowl. And it looked like that offense was starting to move a little bit when he came into the game last week against the Chargers. So I wouldn't be too worried. I think that Washington can still definitely win the NFC East with Heineke as their starter. Let's go to Sunday, starting off with the one o'clock games. The Bengals will go to Chicago to play the Bears on Fox, and the Bengals surprise some with their overtime win against the Vikings, but not me. I picked them to win. So with Chicago's quarterback situation still in flux, I would say the Bengals continue their hot streak and win in Chicago. The Texans will go to Cleveland to face the Browns on CBS, and surprisingly, the Texans are 1-0 and the Browns are 0-1. In fact, the Browns haven't won their season opener in 16 years, but I think they should get back on track at home against Houston. The only reason Houston looked good, their offense did, was because they were playing the Jaguars, who looked awful. Whoops. The Rams, who won on Sunday night football against the Bears, head to Indianapolis to take on the Colts on Fox, and the Colts could not contain that Seattle offense. I thought the Colts' defense was going to be amazing, and the my fantasy team, they looked awful. This is definitely going to be a top 1 o'clock game, but I think the Rams should be able to get the dub even going to Indy. The Bills lost to the Steelers last week. They head down south to Miami to face the Dolphins at 1 o'clock on Fox, and the Bills, they definitely looked lost at times on offense. While the Dolphins spoiled Patriots quarterback Mac Jones' opener last week, they won, they beat the Patriots, but even traveling down to Miami, I think the Bills are definitely going to look more connected and win against the Dolphins. This is Anders Facts. The Patriots, as we just said, they head to New York to face the Jets on CBS. It's another AFC East matchup for New England in a battle of rookie quarterbacks. Matt Jones, Zach Wilson. And as witnessed last week against Carolina, the Jets need some help. They lost Carolina. And they probably won't be able to win this one. 
New England. The 49ers, who survived in Detroit, head east to face Philly on Fox. And last week, quarterback Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense, they definitely look solid against Atlanta. But they face a top defense this week in the 49ers. And I'll say San Francisco pulls this one out in a close one. That should be a good 1 o'clock matchup too. On CBS, the Raiders go to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And the Raiders offense definitely looks sharp at times against Baltimore. While the Steelers were able to pull it out in Buffalo, everybody's getting on Steelers bandwagon. I don't know why. I'm not on the Steelers bandwagon, and I'll probably be the last one to get on it, so I'll go with Las Vegas. The Saints beat up the Packers. Quarterback Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns. They go to Carolina to play the Panthers on Fox. The Panthers squeaked by the Jets. The Saints, they might be elite. I don't know. I didn't pick them to go to the playoffs, but they might be really good. We'll find out if they're not, though, against Carolina, a game they should win in the NFC South. I'll go with the Saints. The Broncos head to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars on CBS, and the Broncos beat up a troubled Giants team. Well, the Jaguars, as I have said, do not look good at all against the Texans. This game's probably going to get ugly, and their head coach, Urban Meyer, for the Jaguars, might start thinking about that new USC job that just opened up. We'll see. Broncos might not be close. Overrated. The Vikings head to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. That game is at 4.05 on Fox. The Vikings couldn't overcome Cincinnati's passing attack while the Cardinals beat up on the Titans in Tennessee. That was a good pick for me last week. I am all aboard Arizona's hype train this year, and they should beat Minnesota. Also at 4.05 on Fox, the Falcons head to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers, and while the Falcons' offense definitely looked troubled against Philly, while the Buccaneers laid off the gas too soon against Dallas, they barely beat Dallas. But with Tom Brady facing the team, he came back from 28-3 to beat the Super Bowl. I'll go with his team. I'll take the Buccaneers. Nice try, buddy. CBS has the doubleheader this week, the 425 games. The top afternoon game brings the Dallas Cowboys, who nearly had the Bucks out west to face the Chargers, who finally won a close game. They were known for losing a bunch of close games last year. They finally won one against Washington last week. And if Dallas's offense stays healthy, as shown in that Tampa Bay game, they could be elite. But I think the Chargers overall look better. Justin Herbert did really well. They didn't really get Austin Eckler in very much last week, but they probably should this week. So I think that the Chargers will be able to pull it out at home in their first home game at SoFi Stadium in LA with fans. How about that? It's a fact. The Titans go to Seattle to take on the Seahawks 425 CBS. The Titans seem to be doing everything wrong against Arizona. Arizona was just beating them up while the Seahawks unveiled their new passing attack to perfection against Indy. And with a new offensive coordinator, I think it's going to take a bit of time for Tennessee to catch up. So the Seahawks should roll at home. And Sunday night football, 820 NBC, the Chiefs head on the road to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And the Chiefs should why they've been to the last two Super Bowls in week one, coming back to beat the Browns. That was a great game. And the Ravens also had a great game against the Raiders in Las Vegas, but they lost an OT. I think that the Chiefs should win Sunday night. And then finally, Monday night, it's the Lions and the Packers in an NFC North matchup at 8.15 on ESPN. And the Packers look to get back on track against Detroit. They were blown out by New Orleans, and I think they will. But if they don't, things could change quickly in Green Bay. By the way, on Monday night, did you all watch 
the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning broadcast because that was amazing. How'd that go? That is my NFL picks for week three. Hopefully, I do better than last week. Seven and nine. That's rough. I hope I do. We'll see. That is all I've got for Xander's Facts this week. That's episode 33. We talked German elections. Hopefully, you know all about those now. And we talked, of course, football. Gave you all my picks. Put your money down on those picks. Xander's Facts never gets it wrong except for last week because last week was just... Xander was stupid last week. But now he's not. So there you go. That's all we've got for you this week on episode 33 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Remember, if you liked all the facts, if you want to support Xander's Facts podcast... Remember, click that follow button, download button, rate button, review button, all those buttons. Remember, follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Xander's Facts, Xander with a Z, and most importantly, tell all your friends. Spread the facts, Xander's Facts podcast. Tell all your friends about episode 33. Tell all your friends about the German elections. Tell all your friends about who's going to win the upcoming football games this week. They'll be like, how did you know that? Xander told me. Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts. That's it. That is a wrap on episode 33 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you with episode 34 next week.